Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vabysmo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Welcome to New Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. My name is David Chu from Will's Eye Hospital in uh, Philadelphia. And today I'm joined by Dr. Preeti Rao from Retina Vitreous in Texas. Hey, David. Thanks for having me. And also Dr. Barton Blackerby from Sound Retina of Tacoma, Washington. Hey, great to be here. And the the paper that we're going to be talking about today is uh, titled Prophylactic Treatment of Lattice Degeneration in Fellow Eyes After Repair of Uncomplicated Primary Regmatogenous Retinal Detachment. And it's uh, uh, first authored by uh, Dr. Christian Curran uh, and other authors. And um, we're going to have a lively discussion about this really interesting, really important uh, perennial topic. So I'd like to kick it off to you, Preeti, to give us a little rundown of your take on the paper. Yeah, thanks, David. So um, the nuts and bolts of this paper was that it was a retrospective comparative cohort series um, that uh, evaluated the role of prophylactic treatment, essentially laser of lattice degeneration um, in fellow eyes of patients who had previously undergone a a primary non-complicated retinal detachment repair. So this study design was over a a five-year period, um, duration of of patients with at least six months of follow-up. And essentially, their inclusion criteria included patients that had a a primary non-complex RD repair. And they looked at their fellow eye that had lattice degeneration. So uh, they excluded patients that had um, fellow eye retinal tufts, isolated holes, chronic tears, and only included lattice. Um, So their primary outcome was to look at the rate or risk of a retinal tear detachment um, in patients that either had prophylactic treatment or not. And for the purposes of this paper, 99% of patients um, that underwent prophylaxis uh, was was essentially laser treatment um, and not necessarily cryo. Um, So uh, the sample size, they had about 500 patients in their study, 146 had um, laser prophylactic treatment, um, and 352 had no treatment. And essentially, um, their primary outcome showed that uh, regardless of whether they received um, treatment, 34% developed a retinal tear or detachment over a five-year period. Of those, um, what's most important is 17% of those that had um, prophylactic treatment developed a retinal tear detachment compared to 41% um, of those that didn't have prophylactic treatment. Um, And this was uh, statistically significant. And then um, that uh, result was actually compounded by a subset analysis. Um, So the presence of PVDs, myopia, or their phagic status. For example, um, in patients that had um, no PVDs and that developed a new PVD over that five-year period, um, the uh, 30% of uh, patients that had laser treatment developed a retinal tear detachment compared to nearly 60% who didn't have previous treatment. Similarly, in patients that had myopia, the higher the level of myopia, um, the the greater the reduction in risk of um, retinal tears and detachments if you had laser treatment. For example, those that had the highest myopia greater than 
minus six, 22% um, developed retinal tears or detachments in those who had laser compared to nearly 50% um, who developed tears and detachments with no previous laser. And then lastly, in terms of their phagic status, um, in patients that were phagic, um, the, they were, uh, in those that underwent cataract surgery um, in that five-year time period, those that had previous laser treatment had a lower rate of developing a tear detachment um, after the cataract surgery compared to those that didn't have laser. So for instance, 22% um, developed tears or detachments and those that were developed uh, that had laser compared to those that didn't have laser. And that rate was about 31%. So kind of the nuts and bolts are laser or prophylactic treatment of lattice degeneration seems to reduce the risk of having retinal tears and detachments over a five-year period. Um, and that uh, and that rate um, seems to be most apparent in those that don't that develop a PVD over time or more myopic and then tend to be phagic. That was a great summary. I'm going to ask you, Barton, you know, personally, I found the results really interesting. And it does kind of, for me, confirm my own predispositions. I do personally like to prophylactically laser fellow eyes. Is that how you felt as well with the key findings of this paper? I did. I agree with you on that. You know, if I have a patient with just a few small patches of lattice, I might observe them. But just like in the paper, when they start to identify more risk factors, higher myopia, chance of having cataract surgery, absence of a PVD, those are all things that I start looking for to see if I'm going to treat a patient in my lane. And the higher the risk factors, more likely I will treat that lattice in the fellow eye. And I'm going to ask you, Preeti, one of the things I felt was really interesting was how they worked really hard to choose the ideal uh, set of patients. And ultimately it did infect their end. They only had, you know, a very limited set of patients out of the thousands that they, I'm sure that they originally had in their original subset. And they selectively excluded patients that had pre-existing real treatable things like atrophic holes and, and horseshoe tears. What did you make of that? Do you agree with how they designed that study or did you feel like that was a strength or maybe a detractor of the study? Yeah, that's a great question. I think with any retrospective design, it's always hard to control for everything. And they really tried to make it a very clean study um, and meaningful. And by excluding the other kind of most common pathologic conditions, they made it so that they're only direct, directly comparing lattice specifically. I think, you know, they're they did a great job and the results are very conservative. So in essence, you can extrapolate that, hey, um, you know, if there are other pathologic conditions, maybe that, you know, reduction in risk might be higher, but they wanted to create a clean study that we can all quote um, and feel comfortable, you know, working off of. And then um, do you think that follow-up period, that monitoring period from 2013 to through 2017, do you think that five-year span is enough to really capture all the patients or do you think it's, you know, on the shorter side? It's always hard. I, five years is a good a good amount of time, I think. I mean, especially for a retrospective design. With that said, um, those that weren't treated, um, you know, 60% never developed any, you know, tears or detachments in their fellow eye. So if the question is, is, do most of these, A, what is the real risk of developing a tear detachment in the fellow eye over your lifetime? And are we able to capture it um, like well, you know, in a, in a study design? And then for you, both of you guys, does the actual incidence of a second type of pathology in that fellow eye, 
that huge incidence they had in, as reported, does that jive with what you see in real life? Do you think it's higher, lower, or about the same? I think the biggest uh, secondary factor for this is the fact that they had a retinal detachment. You know, we have these risk factors, myopia and things that they found. But in a patient with retinal detachment, their vitro-retinal interface is already abnormal to cause that tear. And that combined with the lattice is the, the combination of the two that I think is the highlight there of why we need to look at that lattice a little bit closer in that fellow eye. Support for this program is brought to you by Genentech, the makers of Abysmo, Farisimab SVOA. There's more to explore. Discover all the data at vibismo-hcp.com. That's V-A-B-Y-S-M-O-H-C-P.com. Okay, welcome back to New Retina Radio Journal Club with VBS. Let's get into a longer discussion about the paper that Dr. Rao just summarized so nicely here. So I'm going to actually uh, bring it back to you, Preeti. Um, what are some of the factors that decide for you in a patient uh, with their fellow eye at risk for retinal detachment? You know, what are some of the things that um, leads you to uh, treat those patients with laser? I mean, do you treat everyone who has a identifiable uh, identifiable pathology or do you not? Yeah, it's hard to kind of say a yes or no, all or nothing question because every patient's different. Um, and I think that's important to have that discussion with the patient. Ultimately, it's what the patient wants and what they prefer um, and how worried they are about their fellow eye. Um, so that's, that's the main thing, I think, out of everything. But, you know, with that said, you know, there's certain things that I tend to treat, you know, if it's large patches of lattice, you know, if this patient has a strong family history of retinal tears, detachments, if they tend to be on the, on the younger side where, you know, they have, um, like, um, like was said earlier, kind of abnormal vitreous, optically empty vitreous, um, or super myopic, um, is this, and, you know, I do pediatric retina. So a lot of our patients are younger and if they're highly active, like, um, in sports or do a lot of contact sports, then I'll, you know, have that kind of more thorough discussion on, you know, that risk and whether we need to treat it or not. And just a side note, you were mentioning optically entry, empty vitreous and the possibility for sticklers and other hereditary vitreoretinopathies. Are you prophylactically treating the fellow eye, even if there's not necessarily anything identifiable in these very young patients? Yeah, I, th I think it depends on kind of some indirect signs. So optically empty vitreous, um, what is the behavior of, um, what is their myopic status and if there's a family history? And I, in these patients, if there's no family history, I really have a strong discussion, a long discussion with the parents um, and the kids because it's hard to argue, you know, it's hard to advocate for uh, like, you know, laser treatment in the fellow eye in these younger patients because a lot of them, um, it's not just patches of lattice that you laser, it's 360 degrees of laser, which is a significant amount. So I try to have that discussion ongoing with that family over time. And then, um, you know, once, you know, we both agree, then we decide to treat. Barton, I mean, is that somewhat similar to how you practice or are there patients that you observe and what criteria do you use to make a decision? I do. Um, you know, I agree the higher the risk factor, um, the more likely that I'm going to treat because even, and I'll probably treat 360 uh, because even those areas of lattice, I, sometimes I talk to my patients saying, you know, especially if they have a history of retinal detachment, 
in that lattice, we're just kind of seeing almost like the fault line in an earthquake zone. I can tell that there's pathology here, but there's pathology everywhere through here. Uh, and I'm going to treat more than what I see. But I do observe in quite a few cases, um, you know, this paper made a great example that, you know, even though they had reduced the risk of a retinal detachment in the fellow eye, the visual outcomes were the same. Um, and that's because these patients were able to identify retinal detachment symptoms early and come in and get treated. And I think in our healthcare system, you know, we do a lot of good patient education and say, hey, this is what to look out for. Come in anytime if this develops uh, and we can identify and catch these early. Um, so if a patient, you know, sort of my patient population is opposite compared to Dr. Rouse, I take care of a lot more older patients. They're not playing sports. You know, they they may have had a PVD decades ago. They're already pseudophagic. And if I see a little bit of some pathology there, then I may just say, hey, my door's open. Come in if you have symptoms. Let's just kind of watch this for now. And then related to that is the presence of PVD, is the PVD status something that you guys look at? Because I think that's kind of interesting. There's no no difference, you know, reported in this paper here. But, you know, if they if they don't have a PVD, they are going to be at risk during the time that they eventually do develop that PVD. Is that way into it versus if they've had one and you see some uh, lattice there, perhaps your suspicion for a future terror rising is going to be lower? Any thoughts on that? Yeah, I think um, for me, um, I definitely look at PVD status. Um, the hard part is PV, it depends, it depends on what the PD looks like, right? So myopic patients may have may seem like they have a PVD, but it might be more vitreous schesis. And so you don't want to kind of falsely assume that there's a PVD when there's not. I think mm -hmm. when I see a PVD, I feel a little bit more relaxed that maybe some of that, you know, the vitreous is more liquefied. Um, but I think, you know, this paper demonstrates that we still need to be on alert, even if patients have a PVD. Yeah. And I think for me, myself, my practice pattern um, has always been to prophylactically treat in the presence of lattice. And I haven't used PVD status personally a whole lot, but I have really been quite aggressive in trying to, you know, treat the fellow eyes. And I think this paper, the statistics, statistics here, and even just a baseline really highlights to me again, that really significant risk to the fellow eye of retinal tears and of retinal detachments, both things, you know, uh, it, which is hugely prevalent in these populations. And I think this highlights, again, this is, again, another un, uh, unmet need in, in terms of our management of, of these uh, retinal detachment patients as a whole. And so that's something that I've always uh, taken to heart and, and I've tried as much as possible to, to prophylactically laser. But one of the things I, I also found that was interesting, which is that, um, you know, we, we document where the lattice is in these fellow eyes. And the paper tried to make some uh, evaluations retrospectively as to where these patients eventually tear from. And they found some associations, at least quadrantically. Has that been uh, borne out in your experiences? I'm curious what you're going to say to that. Uh, for me, the actual location of lattice hasn't played much of a role for where I treat uh it's more the what the lattice looks like. You know, if it's associated with retinal holes, certainly with the retinal tear. Uh, if it's broad and large, I'll treat rather than just its act, actual location. How about you, Preeti? Yeah, it's kind of interesting because most of the patients that developed a retinal tear or detachment, the pathology was like within lattice or right next to. Um, I would say, you know, in my practice, I haven't seen, you know, such a high rate of tears and attachments in the fellow eye um, in that location. But um, I think it's, it's, it just shows that this paper, you know, 
supports that we need to treat these like these areas of pathology um, and take a look a bit more carefully. All right, wonderful. Thank you so much for your input. All this high level discussion, I thought it was wonderful and it's great takeaway points for me as well. I really appreciate you guys joining and thank you to the audience for tuning in.